Welcome to Chaotic Harmony. My name is John. This is Crystal. I'm Mark. We talk about the joys and the challenges of teaching music in the elementary school classroom. We share inspiration. We share struggles. We brainstorm solutions. We would love to have you join us. Hey guys, welcome back to the back to in-person Chaotic Harmony. And we are doing it safely. Yes, we all made sure we tested. We're all negative and we're making sure to be safe both here and also outside of here as well. And oh my gosh, it feels really good to be together. It does. So good. I'm happy to see you. Uh, happy here. to see you too. Oh, well, I mean, at least it you, Crystal, I'm you. But. Oh, it's oh. <laughs> not true. That's just not true, guys. Um, so we were, we were kind of informally discussing around the dinner table um, what... We thought this next uh, recovery is going to take, or even the support that we need as teachers right now. Um, my husband was talking to us about how he feels like in the middle of all of the uh, the hoopla surrounding what are we doing at distance learning, how are we going to pivot with COVID, um, nobody has asked the teachers, what do you need to be successful? And when he said those words, everything in me went, oh, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> to be asked so friends what do we need to be successful we can stand on our soapboxes because that's uh, our podcast this is true <laughs> shoes shoes, shoes. <laughs> expound yeah mark did expound. Say shoes. he wants a shoe budget no okay <laughs> so let's, you want four shoes <laughs> let's just let's just unpack this really quick let's go down this rabbit hole okay. So prior to us starting this episode, yes. we were, I, I had said mm-hmm. to these these individuals yes. here, <laughs> wouldn't it be cool if at the beginning of the year, and granted I was speaking more of a formal year, not distance learning, if you got like a $200 stipend to get some shoes. And the reason I say that, jerks, the reason I say that <laughs> is because like... You getting wouldn't. a good pair of like supportive shoes, they'd be expensive, right. you know? And I'm not... I'm not budget, and I don't. I, I'm not going to wear them for other uses, but like for professional, and like that's what I wear at school. And it's just, it would be nice to feel supported. Pun totally intended. Right? <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that was that was my dad coming out. Okay. So I'm done. Okay. If you would like no. a shoe budget, call us 619-880-3001. <laughs> I see you there. I do, and I think like for. Like, I think it's safe for us to all say, mm-hmm. and anyone who's listening, that teaching us profession could be helped more. Mm. It could be, like, and so for for me, what I would want if I if I could stand on my soapbox, um, the shoe box. If I could stand on a box <laughs> <laughs> that is sturdy enough for me to stand on while I speak on it, um, or like a banana crate, that's probably better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, one time I, w- I would love to buy a soapbox, like a box, you know, just like old. Soap mm-hmm. Yeah, and then have like, you know, a podium, just have like, you know, just start gaveling things. But we back to my story. Seattle, uh, four years ago now on our fall yes. break, uh-huh. Ron and I were, and we were just walking around and they had a box and it was just said soapbox. It's That's like, awesome. So jump on up here and speak your truth. Perfect. See- Seattle would. <laughs> Good job, but, Seattle. Um, so right now, I'm my roommate and I are going through. Uh, the West Wing, and uh, as I watch it, first off, second season not good, but um, <laughs> that's my personal take. Um, but uh, one thing I've noticed is like as they focus a lot on the different characters, whatnot, the gears work because each character has an assistant, each character has someone to support them, whatnot. And um, I, 
I feel like uh, not just as educators, but also, well, not just as music teachers, but educators as a whole, we could use some assistance. I remember back in kindergarten, we had three teachers and they probably weren't all three teachers. I have no clue how it was because I was in kindergarten. I didn't Mm -hmm. have big brains back then. But the thing was, they all had their own roles to help support each other. And I'm not sure if they were volunteers or if they were paid, whatnot. But I think about now as an educator currently goodness i could use some assistance i feel like in years prior 36 percent of my time is spent sending emails if not more and that just i could use some assistance in, in that, just in the smaller regards also in the classroom as well while i'm teaching a, a lesson maybe the assistant can also teach uh, extend the lesson in a smaller group as well mm-hmm. i feel like all educators could use that assistance oh yeah and i think that that gets to the heart of what I've been saying is we need more people regardless you know if we go back in person or if we stay distance or if we do some sort of hybrid we didn't have enough people to adequately do our jobs before mm-hmm. all this went down we sure don't have enough people to do it now there, there's just not an, a, enough adults yep. the the crazy thing is we've been so for lack of a better term conditioned to where if you say, oh, I only have 20 students in my class, mm-hmm. where we think that, like, oh, my gosh, that's amazing, mm-hmm. where it's still 20 young people, 20 young minds to one person. Like, those ratios aren't great. No. You well, know? and I think the uh, the American Academy of Pediatrics number is, like, the ideal number is, like, 12. I, that's That's been just the literature for years. Show like, of hands. <laughs> Who's ever had 12 kids? That's not... Well, I have at a private school. I'm... Yeah. Where, where I got paid nothing. But I'm they- <laughs> asking for hands. <laughs> Do you want me to call him? Sure. <laughs> but, no, but yeah, in a private institution where funding goes towards education more, mm-hmm. not narrowly, but more specifically, sure, you can have that situation. It's it's a shame that we don't in the public education realm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I can go, I can, how long do you want me on the soapbox? <laughs> like we can talk about how it just, oh, it's funny watching how the months have passed on how teacher perception has gone. Mm-hmm. In the very beginning, people were like venerating teachers. Oh my gosh, I can't believe that like teachers do this much mm-hmm. to the point where just take the kids. <laughs> that's that's yeah. kind of the mentality where <laughs> where a lot of Americans have ta- have gone that route. And like, I don't want to say that parents are terrible. Then by any means, no, not at all. Like, they're this is a pandemic. We're all under a lot of duress uh, or stress. I don't know which one it was, but we're all under stress right now. And mm-hmm. I get that. But it is as Mark you were saying. The status quo is that they're like, that we as teachers are supposed to take care of as many as possible. And it shouldn't be that way. Right. We need to ease the load. I mean, I feel like education needs more people or supports. Well, yeah, and we need more money to do it. Um, That's where it goes to. Yeah, that's what it goes to. That's what what it comes down to. Well, yes, but also allocating money in a wise way. There you go. Expound. Not necessarily... Like, I'm sure that there is waste. Mm-hmm. In public education. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'm sure that that number's not small. I have no doubt that you're right, but I feel like we have gone over the budget with a fine-tooth comb on the school level so many times at this point. Like, come on, people, give us tissues and copy paper, you know? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And on top of that, it takes so many things to make a student whole. Like, yes. that's what we're like, we're... like, our job isn't to teach academics. Our job is to make kids into 
bright humans Mm -hmm. and like you can now and unfortunately there's like a lot of different people that think that this is how you're supposed to teach kids so obviously there's gonna be money allocated towards areas in different ways but ultimately it cliche as it is it takes the village to raise a child Mm -hmm. yes and so in the same sense it takes just takes a lot of money to help raise not just one kid but the entire cohort of children entire children in general and like if we are to be proponents of public education i think it's i think you you're right there is things that could be trimmed but ultimately there's just not much else you can trim until you give us uh, you until there is much more support much more monetary support yeah and i think that we need to get a lot more clear on um and unified on our philosophy of what it actually is that we do it's not as you music know, educators or as educators it's just educators okay. as a whole that every time i see one of those memes about like uh good thing i learned how to play hot cross buns on a recorder blah 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 i'm using that skill these days it's like yeah you're missing the entire point of an education um and it's it's not to teach you know skills that automatically transfer so kids can do their tax returns when they grow up it's so that they become creative functioning whole people mm. who can make a difference in the world and know how to learn and know how to be open to new ideas and until we can get on board with that vision then we're gonna have a really hard time i think allocating our dollars i think you bring up a good point i remember story time with john again um i remember back in my master's class i had a uh there was one class that really spoke out it was um, dr posey's um, philosophy of education Mm -hmm. and he talked uh, we had this one time where we had a uh, socratic seminar and he just like told two students all right here are the questions i just want you guys to talk and he had you know just stood away and the question was if you could teach only one subject what would it be hmm and so, you know, some people argued, oh, we need to teach them finances because they make sure that they can sustain themselves monetarily, understand how that uh, the system works. Someone says, no, we need to make sure we teach them reading because reading is needed throughout all facets of life. I just said, no, <laughs> you, you're asking the wrong question. Mm-hmm. In the end, in two years, the stuff that we teach our children is going to be antiquated. Mm-hmm. It's not what we teach. It's uh, it's making sure the students can learn. That's the key part. That's what we are as educators. And I feel like there are so many people that are in like, that was kind of like a microcosm right there. People in that in the Socratic seminar, everyone was trying to fight for, we need to teach them X, Y, and everyone else is stupid. But like, it's ultimately, we need to make sure that students learn in a way so that they can learn on their own without our supports. But the problem is, there are so many threads and so many pins that help sustain education currently that have kind of created the, the nesting work of what education is that needs to be removed. Right. Which is where we tend to get stuck, which yes. is where we talk about school culture. And there are so many things that a kid needs to feel safe. And if they don't have their basic needs met, they can't learn. So yeah. how can we teach them how to learn if their clothes are dirty and they don't have yeah. food in their belly and there's not enough adult support. So <laughs> that's another, I feel like it's a topic it's, in and of itself. It is how a do huge we make edu- topic. I how know. do we make education equitable? How do we fix education? You guys, I don't, I don't have all stay the tuned. answers. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's going to be this episode, but like we do need more people though. Every time I've had a student teacher, um, it's been so life changing just to have another adult in the room. Yeah. I spend so much less time, dealing with behavior stuff because i can just send them over to be like (laughs) or just even how how does a child 
behavior different when there's another adult presence in the mm-hmm. room yeah you know like they know oh yeah. well now there's someone else here like i can't get away with it right. or not just that but adding on to what we said last week that teachers are here for the kids yeah if a teacher is focused on all x amount of students all 25 students that one but that one child needs a different kind of attention they can go to the the other adults we yeah. can siphon they the can ask needs. them to go to the bathroom <laughs> <laughs> yeah all okay case but also like if they're I, me- I remember my friend um she was watching me teach mm-hmm. and this one student just had a meltdown and so she took the student out and she just talked to them and cooled down and she came back in and like i was still teaching the lesson while she was helping the child out and so like um yeah and so it's just yeah, whereas if it's only you, you know, if you have to decide, do I take the time to walk away from the lesson? Do I pick up the phone? And, do I send up and a it's more, smoke signal? <laughs> and it's more difficult when... I probably can't say that anymore, huh? I just realized probably that. Not. Probably not. That was no, probably not. It's Sorry. Bable. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think about how, like, especially as music educators, mm-hmm. everything we do is super communal, except for right now online dist- online learning. <laughs> but uh-huh. everything we do typically is communal, even totally. online learning. I, I take that back. That, that's a bad slide. Everything we do is communal. And for a student to have their have a situation where they need a little more attention because of X, Y, Z reason that's completely valid, then, um, like how can we make a communal situation and also help that student need like and that's mm-hmm. and that that just needs more more people more people yeah we need more people solved <laughs> Done. like and subscribe <laughs> every teacher needs an assistant yeah I, yeah yeah i think if we could start somewhere that would go a long way. And then, but then the other thing is too, so they need to be adequately trained because yes, I have seen so many kids over the years who just have a higher level of emotional needs mm. who, when it comes to a teacher who has that training with how to de-escalate a kid or how to, um, you know, just like reach into our bag of tricks for for how to talk to a kid who has different needs and think about how their brain works. Um, you know, they they might have interpersonal problems every single time they're at recess, but at that first recess, when it's teachers on duty, we can de-escalate them, redirect them, send them where they need to go. But a lot of times, some of the noon duties will have a lot more trouble with that because they don't have that same kind of training with how to de-escalate. Mm-hmm. So the kid gets written up, they end up in the principal's yeah. office. Um, so I want to like put that caveat on there that we need more people and they also need to come with a certain amount of knowledge for right. how to really help. It's not like we need more bodies. Right. We need more trained, well-trained adults. adults. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, and don't also, send me your high schoolers who need service hours. <laughs> and I, also, I, I think about as well about how many institutions teach educators, but the biggest hook is that you can you can graduate in a short amount of time. Is that the mm. best though? I think about how I learned a lot when I was student teaching and teaching, but I feel like I should have learned more when I was being trained as a 
teacher. I think that we should have had a whole lot more classroom time before we landed. That's the thing that I think is crazy. You can go through your undergrad and almost your entire credential program in the state of California without ever setting foot in a classroom until it's time to student teach. And at that point, if you've put five years into, you know, becoming a teacher and then you get in for student teaching and you realize, oh, no, I hate this. (laughs) Hello there. (laughs) Yeah. No, we definitely need to get people a lot more on the ground training a lot sooner. But then for somebody to come into your classroom Mm -hmm. to get this training, Uh things might get unruly. And who's to blame if it is? Yeah. The teacher. Sure. It's the teacher on record. Yeah. And so why would I as a teacher want to just take that risk? Mm -hmm. You know? What incentive do I have, you know, mm-hmm. just, just to at it make that. the situation as a whole bigger, better. I understand that like there are a lot of risks, but I don't know. I feel like making the world a better place is a risk and I get it. I get it. Accountability is, is, is hard and it's tough. And it's like also being in a position of responsibility is tough and adding more things onto your plate is tough. I think that load would be eased easened would be lessened that's good the the load would be lessened if there were more just adults in the classroom right. to begin with like in, in this dream scenario it's not just you you also have an assistant yeah <laughs> oh well, that yeah. kid sure <laughs> and shoes and, and shoes <laughs> and shoes blue suede um, um i also think that just there needs to be more understanding that we're not a factory pumping out kids yeah that mm-hmm. we're a place where there are hundreds of people mm-hmm. and they are developing how to become people, you know? What and are you thinking of when you say that? What am I thinking of? Yeah, like, how do you feel like you've been kind of pushed into that factory label? I'm just wondering what pops into your head. We have a bell that okay. tells us what we need to do. Mm. Um, we are encouraged to have kids walk in a straight line to get from point A to point B. Like... You get this much play time, you get this much eat time, you're back in your classroom. You need to ask a teacher or an adult for a like to use the restroom. You're not treated as a person. Mm-hmm. And yes, some of that needs to be learned, but then that goes back to this well teachers don't want to be unruly because like we have to develop these trust with these kids and I think that that's what it boils down to is trust. Mm-hmm. And so if we actually trust our students will have a better a better culture sure um and i think that that trust has to come from the leader of the school and then the leader of the school needs support from their their supervisor or boss you know and yeah. so there just needs to be a level of trust uh, in everything so like when i send my kids to be like all right i'm gonna give you five minutes to work on this piece for your recorder you feel free to turn off your cameras i'm trusting you that you're actually doing the work mm-hmm. some of them do some of them don't mm-hmm but the fact that I'm not going to make decisions based upon, you know, the the percentage that don't, I'm still I'm still giving them trust. Mm-hmm. Right. I think also just to add on to that, just this is a cultural shift. Mm. Because for so long we have viewed exactly as you're saying, it is very much a factory approach. Like also just as a little tangent, other than just like logistics. In your life, has walking in a straight line assisted you? At the DMV, yes. Oh. That's fair. <laughs> Check out line. Disney World. 
Oh my god. Okay, then I I recant. All right, but regardless. <laughs> um, and then training my children not to step on my feet while we're waiting in line at Disneyland. But um, though I, back back to culture, like I think That's about. A whole thing. Do you remember on our earlier episodes we talked about how we had to shift the culture of what it means to be a music educator? It's not just a babysitter, but yeah. it's and. For us to try to revolutionize or evolutionize or eyes, whatever, um, the situation, it would have to not just happen immediately. Because if it happens slowly, you'll have people that are resistive looking, oh, it should have been done like how I was trained when I was younger. And it's yeah. just, there are so many ideas and so many thoughts. And there's just this cultural mentality that this is how education is, uh-huh. and this is how it will always be. So how can so the question that we went into this conversation with is how can what support do I need to do my job correctly? Sure. And then the the thing is that we're seeing on a very microscopic level, which is the three of us right here, is like. Okay, you want to know? <laughs> Let me tell you. Let me tell you what I need. And we need respect. We need leaders who don't blame us for everything that doesn't go perfectly because we're working with real human children who come in with a lot of variables. We need more people to help us. We need more resources available to us. That's that's what I'm hearing. I think and also let's start there. Let's start there, but I want to add one more. Mhm. I feel like that this is a big ask. Uh-huh. I feel like every single person in America needs to spend time in another place. We need to observe how others how other institutions do it. Is our cuz for right now this like is Like a school? Exactly, yes. Okay. How is school done elsewhere? Like every teacher or every, every person, person in the United States cuz I'm only going to focus here in the United States. How is it done elsewhere? Okay. For better and for worse. And because, as I was saying earlier, I'm kind of like stewing on this or ruminating, as I said last time. <laughs> ruminating on this. I, as I'm thinking about this, it really has to go with the perception of this is how it's been and this is how it always will be. If we extend ourselves, go to a different country that's run differently and see how education is done there, we can realize that our, our view of education doesn't have to be limited to how our past experiences were. That's fair. I don't know if we have to travel to another country because I'm sure that there are schools, albeit charter or private, that are mm-hmm. doing doing it in a successful manner. Sure, but the podcast is looking for extremities here. So no, <laughs> but 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 for you're right. You're right. And there there are, for example, again, I was listening to another podcast. How um, for one person who grew up in Georgia, he took he got algebra in his senior year while we got algebra in our freshman year it's like it's just different in different states right but i think why not push ourselves to try looking elsewhere like i'm not saying that america is not the answer i'm just saying let's go outside of our views and like if we're going to try to push ourselves why not push ourselves to the nth degree why not push our viewpoints of what is status quo farther but then my what then how are we defining success that, that's a different topic and then Fair that's enough. this is just one of the multiple finger points you but brought it up John. i brought it up and i'm going to defend it right now because i'm still on my soapbox so yeah but you're not defending but that, no, that but, goes back to the idea though that we need a universal <laughs> philosophy before we can make real progress push back push back i'm i feel like the, the philosophy should be altered for the community you're teaching hmm 
Okay. I think there should be something that is our understanding of I I I have my biases of what education should be, and I think it would be it would be super helpful if we all had a similar viewpoint. But then that's just trying to create standardizing. Where it's just it like standardized te- standardized tests are pretty much well, just, universal. And when I say that, though, I, I mean the very basic of like we're creating people who think for themselves. Not teaching specific skills, right? Because anything you teach in two years is going to be obsolete. I agree. and We teach how to learn. I fully agree with that philosophy. Mm-hmm. I would be curious for anyone who to counter that. And I want to see their, their reasoning. I want to see why am I wrong? Okay. And it, it, if you think so, at me and Mr. Seligman. Like, really, I'd love to hear your thoughts. <laughs> why would it be different? Why should education be different mm-hmm. than uh, having a child be a better learner. The challenge is up to you. I'm pulling something up because your your talk of having like one underlying premise and then mm-hmm. we branch off that. Um, my my school is currently in the process of drafting a mission statement. Oh. Okay. And okay. so as part of that process um, today, actually, we were. Um, Sorry. We were, I can't. I understand. <laughs> Multitasking, am I right? Mm-hmm. I'm a teacher. Um, You're a we were, um, <laughs> what? You're a millennial. You should do this right. True. Um, so we were looking at mission statements. We, we were all asked to kind of grab a mission statement or two from somewhere else. And so we use them as kind of a mentor text. And what do we like? What do we don't like? But one of the mission statements that, that a colleague of mine grabbed, and I thought I, I really liked it. Um, I think it'd be a challenge because it involves so many people, but it says our mission is for teachers, staff, parents, and community members to be conscientious advocates for children. I think if we started there, it might look different in other places, but if that's our baseline, mm-hmm. I think we can move forward. Well, you wanted me to leave because of my shoes <laughs> but like but if that's education is we as a community are going to be advocates for our children mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay great how do we do that hmm. yeah yeah more recess less homework more recess less homework <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, no, I, I'm just thinking about just... Deep sigh. No, no, my deep sigh goes back deep to... Sigh. it. Unfortunately, it always just goes deep back... To, it always goes back to how much... In our capitalist society, it's going to be how much money do we allocate. Mm-hmm. That's what it comes down to. Right. How much are we... Uh, how much are we being valued by the overall populace? Hmm. That's, I think, the big question. And I, I understand that, unfortunately, teachers are... Or babysitters that is part of our our job description unfortunately it's not mm-hmm. there we're not going to ever say it but we are daycare because of how our system oh, no, works i say it the loss of the child care has been devastating mm-hmm. yes um, i mean and we're we're f- like fine um financially but uh mentally exhausting for our family um to try to teach and take care of the kids at the same time and balance you know our family life it's with no breaks, yeah. it's it's really rough. And yeah. so the thing childcare is like, huge. Childcare is huge, and uh-huh. of, of course, not everyone can afford it. Uh-huh. 
Uh-huh. So it goes down to then the schooling has to take the burden or has to take the burden. Like, and so unfortunately, when pe- when people get upset at where their what the current state's at, they view educators as daycare, mm-hmm. and that perception needs to be grow on something else. And like, I don't think that that the daycare aspect is bad. No, I, I don't. I either. don't. And I think that everybody should have access to it. Um, I mean, that's getting, that's opening up a political can of worms, but Mm -hmm. I do like the access to quality daycare so that a family can, you know, build wealth and, and live a good life, um, and provide well for themselves, I think is really important. Um, especially for, um, you know, they, there's, there've been so many studies over the years that have shown that, um, single moms, uh, are significantly less likely to live below the poverty line after their children are school age because they have reliable childcare. Right. Mm-hmm. They can go to work. So it's it's a big problem. And I yeah. remember um, having all those conversations when we had the boys and like, um, you know, is it worth it for me to go to work? Because over 75% of what I bring in is gonna just pay for daycare. So do we do that? Do I take a few years off that I'm public I'm punished professionally uh-huh. now that all this COVID business is going down? The Wall Street Journal was just talking yesterday about how um, the vast majority of American mothers are likely to be doing their work at home at the table while the kids are doing school mm-hmm. while dad is in a separate room. And I witnessed office. that as a music educator. I sure. see that yeah. a lot. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, that's, a, I guess I bring this up because I, I fully agree with you, Mark, that the, 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 the the, the philosophy of the schools needs to have something that's bold and strong and that's caring for children, but also the perception of what everyone else views public education should be. Un- like the public funds education, and so their perception needs to be positive. It mm-hmm. has to be uh, has to align itself with the the mission statements of these schools, in essence. Because if it doesn't, then the schools might have a great idea, but it will fall apart uh, fall apart ultimately because of the supports. Sure. And I think the beauty of that, what I read, is it includes the community. Right. You know, and so yeah. you you sit by and you accept the decisions of what's made if you don't participate in, in yep. that decision. So if your voice is left quiet because you chose to leave it quiet, if you are given the open forum to, to voice your opinion, I mean, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. you know, but if you are part of that decision-making process... I think that that's that's huge Mm -hmm. and what that looks like you know there are multiple different routes and and whatnot um but i think that the community partially i think maybe the schools get a bad rap public education gets a bad rap because people aren't invested in their public like in their school Mm -hmm. it's not a community center point for them it's where I send my kids and I don't really care about the teachers, but they take my kids for seven hours a day. Mm-hmm. But if there was that, that desire to be a part of it and the, and the school to actually be a, be a hub for the community. Yeah. And that buy-in for the community of this is access to oh to you know an education is access to something that could help the entire family not just this one kid we know that but not and we've talked on the podcast before about how uh not every family you know prioritizes education and so how do you how do you do that how do you get that buy-in from your community so that we can see like we value children 
and we can say that, but also we value education. Are we, are we then valuing our parents mm-hmm. as like as a school as partners? Yeah, you know, and yeah, I I had this thought, and it's I feel like it's wild, but I'm gonna throw it out there. Dude. You you let me know. I feel that as a teacher, it would be ideal if a parent, if one, of, like if I had a good enough relationship with my students' parents, and granted as a music teacher, it's a little bit more challenging, but like if I was a classroom teacher and I didn't have the whole school as a parent, but even as music teachers, if we had a cohort of parents mm-hmm. that would feel comfortable enough to list me as a reference for a job, hmm. do I have, like that I think would be a level of, uh, of engagement that would be a level of uh, of relationship that I think we are missing, and I can I I I'll be the first to tell you I don't have that relationship with many of my parents. Some mm-hmm. of them have graduated and gone on to middle school and whatnot That's with with whom part. with whom I've had, and and yes, it is a revolving door, mm-hmm. but also that child that's sitting in your in your classroom in my music room, that's one of those persons like greatest. Yep. things the greatest people greatest right. treasures mm-hmm. so they're entrusting us with their treasure and if we are going and if we're not treating that that's where it crumbles if we're not treating that relationship with that parent with that student and that's where I think we can actually make some progress now Now that mom's sitting next to them Mm -hmm. at the table and they're hearing us, which is a lot of pressure sometimes, I better make sure that I've got the princess voice on a lot more, (laughs) you know, and I do. um, And I, and that I do make sure because they will notice if I don't call on them, you know, Mm -hmm. mom and dad will notice if their kid stays silent for music class every single week. I want to add on to that also. Yeah. Yeah, You're talking about what, uh, what can you change? I think how we perceive the difficulties be it parents that mm-hmm. are for, that are hard to work with or as you mentioned earlier the jokes about music education with hot cross buns like if we just stop the ridicule mm-hmm. i yeah we'll get less laughs but in the same sense i think we can honor the community better if we don't take that path I and mean, we instead bolster the importance of the community and also our fellow educators what they're trying to do like at what cost does the snark come yeah exactly like yeah yeah, yeah that's true mark you're gonna say something i was um you had said crystal like you put on your you know your teacher voice and whatnot right what if teachers could be humans too? That's something that I you really know? strive to do as yeah. a music teacher. I, 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 right? I definitely have. There is definitely an act. Mm-hmm. There's always an act. But in the same sense, I'm as hu- I try to be as human as possible. I remember I was talking to one of my students. I think last year during lunch or something. I was like, "Yeah, well, like you know, teachers act differently in person, like in, in class, than they do in uh, in their private life." It's like, I think about. I thought about this. Like, I don't. I mean, yeah, my my language is different. That's for sure. But like, you know, we talk about. Like, I'm not going to use like high academic language to these students. But also, like, I won't use. Oh, like, I think another language. I think I don't <laughs> that like all of there. these sentences should just be blurred. <laughs> my language is better. <laughs> but also, but yeah, you're right. Also, the informal language as well. You can insert whatever you want to think in that. But my language is is both professional, but also it is me 
whole, wholeheartedly. And mm-hmm. I think that there is this mindset that there needs to be this schism. And mind you, it, I have the grace, not the grace, I have a different situation than a general ed teacher because I see my students for the better and for worse once a week. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to create that schism as wide as a teacher who sees them every day for eight hours a day. So sure. it is different. But I agree with you wholeheartedly. What if we were just people instead of the the fictional characters that sleep in their classrooms? Well, actually, I, <laughs> I sleep in my classroom. But <laughs> yeah, and we could use some slack. Like, there's another support that I think we can give both ways. I remember, um, yeah, there was a teacher at one of the schools that I, I started my career at who I thought was so smart. She began every year on, like, back-to-school night saying, I promise, uh, to all the parents, um, I promise to only believe half of what your kids tell um, me about you if you promise to only believe <laughs> half of what they tell you about me. And... I mean, isn't that the truth? Like, yeah. how many times have um, have we gotten called to the principal's office because somebody got a phone call that, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, your tone wasn't good. But, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, it, children are, my dad used to say children are uh, great perceivers and lousy interpreters. <laughs> so I just think there there needs to be a lot more of that that teamwork. Yeah, he's got some good ones. Um, there needs to be more more teamwork between parents and mm-hmm. and teachers. Yeah, less snark, more respect, more grace, more grace. Kind of comes back to like not having sarcasm. We talked about that a little bit with Jesse. Like, be really careful with. I just I try to not use sarcasm in the classroom. Just period. And and as the older I get, I'm the more I'm trying to eliminate it from most areas of my life i just find it harmful i think there's a line between being facetious Mm -hmm. being playfully silly and sarcasm and i think those lines get blurred Mm -hmm. sarcasm the the intent is negative yeah being facetious for example today i had a student that i kept on saying good afternoon knowing it was morning and so and so i started just i played with it and started you know just like saying i'm like i'm like so and so, it was all in good laughs. But you're right; yeah. there are teachers, especially ones who are just like it, it, where it's life gets hard, and I understand that it's easier yeah. sometimes to just give the blunt end of the knife, metaphorically, than <laughs> to be kind and caring. Yeah, yeah. More grace, less narc. Mm-hmm. More advocacy i don't remember what you say exactly but i think I don't remember just either. just a more com- like, intentionality of community i mm-hmm. think is something that's important and that can look in the value of higher consciousness giving, well in the value of as much as we're you know being facetious about this in the fact of giving our, our teachers care through like material goods like shoes to make sure that they can teach more effectively it's true or maybe getting a better chair that's true or adding on to that maybe having more um, people, more bodies. I'm not more bodies. More well-trained people, adults yes. to help facilitate education. Caring, loving. That caveat's adults. there. Yes. <laughs> but it can look in multiple facets. Mm-hmm. But I think it. But the hardest part, it's not just with the educator. It's not just with the administrator. It's not just with the parent. It's the whole shebang. It is the whole baby okay. steps. Oh, I God. think the reason. So many of our families have the perception that they do is so many people had a negative school experience. And we forget how alive that is in our parents. A lot of them don't come back to school until they have 
a child in school and so they're walking back into a place that didn't feel good for them and so we have to prove that it's a different experience for their child than it was for them yeah Mm -hmm. so what i'm gathering our our action step Mm -hmm. is to is to better bond with parents hmm what can we do as teachers? What can we do off the soapbox starting tomorrow when we head into our into our virtual classrooms? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or for you listeners heading into your classrooms right. as well. Yeah. So we the uh, yes to all the supports that we've talked about, but those a lot of them are out of our control. The things that yeah. we can control for our school and our school culture mm-hmm. is parents and and and. I see our community because it works through our Fair. teachers. It works through our admin. Then with teachers and stuff. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. I spent a lot of time making phone calls um, a couple weeks ago because my principal asked me to spend some time connecting with families with chronically absent kids from mm. my class. I went, I went through my engagement log, saw who had missed more than four, and just went down the line. And the number of, I mean, there were a fair number of parents who were like, wait, he's not logging on a music class. And so <laughs> that was news. Um, but there were also a fair number who were at work who had to say, give me a second, I'm going to go into the break room. Yeah. And and they apologized profusely. And I, I just had a moment to say, look, this is hard. This is the hardest season I've ever had as a mom. My kids are, you know, elementary school age two. I know you're doing the best you can. This is a guilt-free phone call. I just want you to know I care. I miss <laughs> your child. Let me know what I can do to make school more fun. And if you have ideas, I truly want to hear them. Just like bridging that, sending a little understanding. I had a frazzled mom log on today because their internet was going in and out. And I just said, look, I'm going to mark that he's here and you're having technical problems. If you need me to send you something asynchronously, that's fine. And if you need to step outside and take a walk with him around the block to get out some of that frustration, that's great. (laughs) You know, like, yeah, Yeah. bond, be human, be real, be yourself, but be yourself. Empathetically. Empathetically. Yeah. 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 Solved it. Done. Done. Next. I told you to stay tuned. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, If you have ideas, we want to hear from you. Yeah. Really? Actually, Mm -hmm. it's a good way to bring up, because we have have a phone line. We do. Phone line. We do. So, millennials, it's okay to make phone calls. (laughs) As a millennial myself. I hate phone calls. I do too. But you know what, John? (sighs) Look at me. Look at me. If we want to be better for our communities, we need to get on the phone and make some phone calls. Sure, of course. Yeah. You know what? You can text us at this number. So first off, before we get to the number, um, we ask a question every week. Yeah. And our question this week is, what's your thoughts? What support do you need to do your job right now or to fix education slash the world how can we call how, how can they send this question uh, this answer what what's the number okay if you have an answer to any of those questions 619-880-3001 619-880-3001 and we will be thrilled to hear from you because the only message we've gotten so far is from body aesthetics <laughs> contouring 
So. Well, what's their answer? I wonder how they feel about this. <laughs> Let's talk to them. But that's not the only place you can ask us the questions or such. You can also contact us at chaoticharmonyclassroom at gmail.com. If you have really any question or if you want to share your comments that are more than just a text worth. Um, but also, guys, uh, do feel, feel, feel free to make sure to grow this community out. Be a better community by liking and subscribing. I know it feels forced. But it does help keep these lights on, literally. Yeah, they're really bright video lights. They too. are. They so are. make sure you like and subscribe on our YouTube channel if you're listening there. You can also um, leave us a review. That helps us as well grow this community much better and bigger and more caring. So leave us a review on iTunes or whichever podcasting app. I think iTunes is the main one, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we do read your thoughts. I want to take a quick break and thank my husband, Brian, who's been working behind the scenes producing these episodes every week on all of the platforms and on time. But you need to know that he is first a financial planner for Mission Trails Financial. Mission Trails Financial is a partner that seeks to guide clients in the journey to financial success. They believe that people need a financial advisor that aims to provide strategies for success. Mission Trails Financial helps people navigate investments, tax planning, and insurance. Imagine working with an advisor who isn't tied to specific brands. Mission Trails Financial has a fiduciary responsibility to act in the best interests of their clients by providing independent, objective advice. Their mission is to help clients accomplish their financial goals. As Joe Vitale once said, a goal should scare you a little and excite you a lot. Do yourself a favor and set up a time to chat with Mission Trails Financial. Visit www.missiontrailsfinancial.com or call 619-419-0238 to schedule a call. You'll be glad you did. We believe that leaning on professionals is how we get ahead. Check out the program notes for more information. Suspicato. Yeah. Okay, I got one. So I was thinking this week, and I don't have an answer yet, mm. but I was trying to think about what um, something that everybody has in their house most likely could be, and I was thinking puzzles. What could you do with a puzzle piece? Puzzles? Yeah. If you ask the kids to get a puzzle piece for their lesson, and then put it back in the box so that your their families don't hate you for <laughs> one missing puzzle piece forever. <laughs> What could you do with a puzzle piece? What could you do? My immediate thought was what recognizable picture is on that puzzle piece and then make a word chain out of them. Mm, mm. Love word chains so much. I know. So I'm, <laughs> to Flower, reflect back ears. on last week's episode on patterns, uh-huh. I'm going to try not to do something that's kinesthetic because I do that all the time. So. That's body movement, you know, like the form of this answer. So I shall think. I mean, you could make your body match the shape of your puzzle. That's, that's, that's the easy answer. That, that's exactly <laughs> the could I do that. I hadn't thought of that before, but, but then you said movement. And then I was like, hmm, interesting. You, what you do is you use it as a metaphor. Every week you have them grab a new piece of the puzzle. Either it can match or it can't. And then at the end of the school year, you have just a bunch of puzzle pieces. And then you tell them, our time this year is over and the puzzle's quite not yet. The puzzle's not yet finished unless it's a really small puzzle <laughs> well then maybe get another puzzle <laughs> like, the key household has lots of small puzzles we have a two-year-old so yeah, it's fine it's true and i don't love puzzles anyway um and so at the end of the year then you tell them like your journey is not done mm-hmm. like you still have so much left of this puzzle that you need to put together and you were able to do this much of the puzzle this year with me and you i'm so proud of you next year you're gonna get to add to it and i can't wait to see what you get to add next year and so on and so forth 
Boom. If we're doing big brain stuff. I like that. Part of me wants to connect. Mr. Kamer has his commencement speech done. Because <laughs> all puzzle, not all, many puzzle pieces look similar. Mm-hmm. They just don't create the same shape. And I feel like that's a way for us to talk about interconnectedness. Mm-hmm. Everyone showcases their puzzle piece. And maybe Susan's puzzle piece looks a little different than Gabby's. Mm-hmm. Maybe Gabby's looks a little different than Tyler's. But all of them kind of have similarities. How can we see the similarities in ourselves? Mm. Noise. Even though they painted different. On me. I like it piece. though. I'm trying to push my pattern. <laughs> I, you know, I like. I respect that. So branch out. All right, good job, guys. Cool. Puzzle piece is done. Socially distant spiccato. A win. Check. Check. Round of the week. I am bringing you a round of the week from Mr. Delgadio in boston okay hi mr delgadio hello hello. um i found his youtube channel i don't even remember how i stumbled across it one day because i you know what i do remember how i was trying to occupy a very busy second grade boy in this house who was driving me crazy i was like music class videos (laughs) and i came across him and he was riveted he has the best um movement videos and so i've i've really enjoyed some of his movement activities and i highly recommend that you check his stuff out we can link it in the description um and so this is a song that he did that is a lovely little lesson about a scarecrow and it's a game and i did this with um first second and third grade this week and it was great because the only thing we needed was a pen or a pencil for a rhythm stick and a chair to walk around and it was the cutest thing we all played this game and walked around our chairs and it worked perfectly and it was probably the most joy i've had in weeks watching them play the game with me Mm. and all their little zoom squares or microsoft team squares (laughs) squares. there we go (laughs) whatever team team rectangle sometimes you know yeah whatever um anyway it's really fun so um he he told me that he wrote the words um and it's an orf melody but Mm. i don't know what volume it's from Hopefully we can get that in. You can comment in our YouTube video oh, if, if you, you know. know it, or you can add us at CH Class. Cindy Giebler, if you're listening to this, you'll probably know immediately. So it's, it's about a <laughs> scarecrow or Mr. Delgado. Maybe you can tell us. I know a scarecrow, and his name is Johnny Grimm. Oh, but the crows are not afraid of him. Take a peach, take a pear, Johnny doesn't care. Oh, I know a scarecrow, and his name is Johnny Grimm. Oh, but the crows are not afraid of him. And so the little Orf game, he has all these different things that grow on a farm, like an apple and a pear and a squash and a corn, and they all have a rhythm. And so you do a little dance with your chair and you walk around the chair. And if your fruit or your veggie gets eaten by the crows, you have to sit down. It was really fun. How do they have, how do they have? He's got in on this background. So he's got like the pictures of the fruit and then it's got a little four beat, um, four beat rhythm. And then he plays it on his rhythm stick. So like the apples, like do, day, do, 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 or whatever. So if so, you hear the crow go caw caw in the background, and then he plays the rhythm. <laughs> no, seriously, it's awesome. And then you have to sit down okay. if that's you. Honor oh. system. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'd have to it's see good. it in action. You do. It's worth looking at. It's Shall really cute. It? Or do you want to post it on the video? What's that? You want to sing it, or you want to? Yeah, let's sing it. Let's sing it. Got it. Yeah. Can I be the crow? <laughs> <laughs> do it. <laughs> so. I know a scarecrow. I know a scarecrow. And his name is Johnny Grimm. And his name is Johnny Grimm. Oh, 
but the crows are not afraid of him. Oh, but the crows are not afraid of him. Take a peach, take a pear, Johnny doesn't care. Take a peach, take a pear, Johnny doesn't care. Oh, I know a scarecrow, and his name is Johnny Grimm. Oh, I know a scarecrow, and his name is Johnny Grimm. Oh, but the crows are not afraid of him. Oh, but the crows are not afraid of him. I like it. He's not a very good scarecrow. That's why the crows eat all the fruits and veggies. It's like... It's really cute. It's, oh, it's asymmetrical. I could be singing it wrong. No, no, I don't think you are. <laughs> Anyways, let's try it. You want to sing all the whole right. Yeah. Ready? I know a scarecrow and his name is Johnny Grimm. Oh, but the crows are not afraid of him. Take a peach, take a pear, Johnny doesn't care. Oh, I know a scarecrow and his name is Johnny Grimm. Oh, but the crows are not afraid of him. I know a scarecrow and his name is Johnny Grimm. Oh, but the crows are not afraid of him. Take a peach, and his name is Johnny Grimm. Oh, how the crows are not afraid of him. Take a peach, take a pear, Johnny doesn't care. Oh, I know a scarecrow and his name is Johnny Grimm. Oh, but the crows are not afraid of him. Don't worry. Next Huzzah. time we'll practice. We, we're not, so we won't sorry. practice. We're so amazing, guys. <laughs> awesome. Watch Rob's video. He's really good at it. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that, Crystal. You're welcome. Question, Crystal. Sure. Where can the peoples find you? Can you? find me at crystalpridmore.com or at finnyvapa on Twitter. Awesome, awesome, Mark. You can find me at Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, all under Mr. Keemer. Cool, cool. And you can find me on the Instas, Twitters, and also YouTubes at Mr. Seligman, M-R-S-E-L-I-G-M-A-N. Also, you can find us if you want to send us a quick little tweet at CH Classroom or find our videos also at Chaotic Harmony Classroom or on Facebook at CH Classroom. All the other socials are CH Classroom. And as I said before, if you want to send us a full message, we will read them. You can email us at chaoticharmonyclassroom at gmail.com. Thank you so much, guys, for listening and watching. We'll see you next time. Take care. Bye. Bye. The Chaotic Harmony Podcast is a joint project between Crystal Pridmore, Jonathan Seligman, Zoe Kumagai, and Mark Keemer. You can find us online at chaoticharmonyclassroom.com. You can email us at chaoticharmonyclassroom at gmail and let us know what you think. Give us feedback about what you would like to hear in future episodes. We're on all the socials. Find us on facebook.com slash chaoticharmonyclassroom. You can find us on Twitter at chclassroom, Instagram at chaoticharmonyclassroom, and you can even find our episodes on YouTube. Chaotic Harmony is the name of our channel. Special thanks to Brian Pridmore for his help with production and equipment. www.pridmoria.com Joey. <laughs> oh my gosh, Joey. <laughs> I love that man. And his name is John. But I sing it wrong. Oh well. It's a folk song. Go ahead. Scarecrows be disrespecting him. Here's all of his little there's his little rhythms. When you think about it, if we're teaching on our feet all day. So like if you had that like little little luxury.
we used to like a tree sell some shoes when we first when i was first learning how to write stuff off for the business i tried to write off my shoes for photography i remember that that was a whole thing not allowed to do that you can't write off clothing news, items news anchors can't, news anchors can't write off their wardrobes 